To all the wanderers, wanderers, free thinkers, and throwaway kids, welcome to the dumpster fire. Let's Let's get get dumpster dumpster diving. All right, everybody, we are live. Justin, how's the day going? It's going well. How you doing? My day's been good. Uh, We got we got some special guests with us tonight. Catalina, hail Catalina, hail Catalina. Hey, Brian, what are we sipping on tonight? All right. I got, I got a weird one tonight, guys. This is really cool. Uh, I'm friends with the guy that owns the liquor store in town. We talk bourbon a lot. I uh, told him what I was doing. He's very intrigued by this, and I'm starting this up. Uh, he had showed me this a while back. It's called the McAfee Brothers Benchmark. Now, I've never seen this really anywhere else but his store. He has three types. He has a single barrel, which is 95 proof, supposedly the, the better flavor of the one. He has one that's... Uh, Straight from the barrel, it's 125 proof. And then there's a standard line that's uh, something like 90 or 85 proof, something like that. So I get this, and I look it over, and this is made by uh, Buffalo Trace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Buffalo Trace actually is a very interesting distillery. They've been around since the 1700s. They're one of the only distilleries that operated all the way through Prohibition. Really? Yes, very interesting. They, They managed to stay open. I don't know exactly what they were doing, making... Liquor for the government, I guess. But uh, they, they have lasted through that, so they've been around for a long time. They also make, uh, Buffalo Trace is responsible for making in collaboration with another company, uh, Pappy Van Winkle, which is, yeah. if you ever hear about the two and $3,000 bottles of bourbon, uh, yeah. uh, that's Pappy Van Winkle. Now, Pappy Van Winkle is co- supposed to cost something like $270 yeah. a bottle. Yeah. You'll be lucky to get one for under two k. Yeah. yeah. I, I lived in... It's a scarcity. They only release so many... And I just read that actually when they do this, Buffalo Trace selects the vendors they're going to send it to. So even if you have the order in, you'll never know. I've worked in the bar scene for about 10 years in Louisville, so you can't do that without knowing a little bit about Pappy Van Pappy Van. So this is the strange thing. When I'm talking to the owner of the liquor store, he says, I can't get Buffalo Trace, but I can get Benchmark. That's right. Now, Buffalo Trace is one of my favorites, so Mm -hmm. let's give Benchmark a try. And see. Buffalo Trace is actually known by some of my friends as uh, Catalina's birthday bourbon. Oh, no. Because they, uh, Buffalo Trace actually had an issue with one of their warehouses or something. There was a huge fire. So oh, about, yeah. I, I want to say it was that. about four years ago. I remember that. You really couldn't find Buffalo yeah, Trace. It was anywhere. gone. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's an excellent. It became a hot commodity. All right, everybody. To the throwaway kids. Throwaway kids. Great beard of Zeus. That's good. That is good. That's good. I like it. That's got a great finish. Yeah. Catalina? I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's very Buffalo Trace. Yeah. The bouquet is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. It's not overly woodsy, but it's not overly <clears throat> light either. It has a really nice mouthfeel, and it doesn't burn all the way down. Yeah. It's not a wintertime bourbon. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> more from the inside out. Little yeah. fact, it's made with bits of real buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> that is so you know it's good. <laughs> Yeah, so totally they sense. use the hooves mostly. Yeah. <laughs> if we hooves them, there might be some points out there. Yeah, the yeah. We, we definitely are lying to you right now. We, we don't. We, we're not going to make a habit of that. That's, those are jokes. He may not make a habit of that. <laughs> you can't trust anything I say. I'm probably three octopuses stacked. Right. Um, I've already established I'm a Gemini, therefore I cannot be trusted. Don't trust, yeah. Gemini. Don't trust him. Don't trust a June Gemini. Yeah. Two people at once. Twin sold. 
So uh, we actually have had a, a really interesting meeting of the minds. I think everyone here is really kind of on an equal playing field as far as intellect. Uh, I think we've all been to college. We're all higher educated. Uh, but just more than that, I think we kind of bonded together uh, just in altruism. I think that has to be part of it. Uh, or maybe even because we are on the same level, uh, it, maybe it's a bit of a selfish thing. Like I've said before that... Uh, I am very protective of my relationships to people I consider intellectual peers. Yeah. And uh, it, it actually, the more I have dissected that, the more I've realized uh, that's, a, that's a thing. Like when you're intelligent, it gets really lonely. And, it does. Yeah. It's a lonely place to be of higher intellect. And uh, mm-hmm. I think as you age, it's natural to become lonelier just because mm-hmm. your world becomes smaller. Yes, it does. Um, so naturally you're going to come into some loneliness there but being a higher intellect it's harder to find people to actually connect with it's mm-hmm. harder to have a conversation with somebody because intelligent people tend to be fucking weird <laughs> we do yeah. more social isolation yeah. some of the most intelligent people i know it's not that they don't want to hang out with people but they just don't feel like it's worth the energy yeah. to try and like gold mine for yeah. good people. Yeah. So they're like, I'll read my books, I'll yeah. write my stories, and then I'll be in my, my little world. <laughs> yeah. And it is kind of hard to find people about the same level of weird as you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like Justin was saying, that intelligence kind of comes that that awkwardness or weirdness. And, and when you're the weirdest one in the group, it's not the funnest place to be. Uh, <laughs> one thing I've noticed is uh, with intellectual people they tend to uh, uh, not be very good at small talk I would much rather talk about the origins of the universe or uh, duck penises than uh, than, uh, than what you did today <laughs> like, not exactly a Sunday brunch conversation right. do you have a penis fact of the day Justin? Uh, did I, have I talked about uh, chinas or echidnas? echidnas. Uh, yeah. uh, and they're quadrupedes uh, they have a four headed penis please google this and be terrified along oh, with me uh, I shouldn't be the only one with that image in my head because well, they are an adorable critter with a four headed penis well the echidna uh, is also the other uh one in the family with uh, platypuses. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're mammal egg layers. Yes. But uh, we but yeah. Put a picture in the uh, in the group. Yeah. I've been a kid. We can do that. Hermaphroditic typically, or is that a? No, they're not hermaphroditic. Let me scar. Let me scar you. Let me scar you real quick. <laughs> Consensual scarring. <laughs> You're gonna get Catalina's unfiltered reaction to the four-headed penis. The only kind of dick pic I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah. <laughs> so. Why? Yes. And it's an adorable critter oh is the gosh. thing. Adorable critter with no, a horrifying no, pain. That is like an elder god's pet. Oh yeah, my gosh. it really is. <laughs> it is pet of like Cthulhu. Stumbling yeah. through an elder god castle and yeah. you're like, oh, here's this adorable creature that's gonna kill me. Yeah. <laughs> with its four-headed penis. Yeah. Oh, you're totally and wonderfully made. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I think the first time I actually realized that there was something a little different uh, was first grade. I'll never forget this. Uh, I'd gone to kindergarten. We're talking back to isolation. My penis is, I believe, normal. Let's let's hope. Uh, It only has two heads. (laughs) (laughs) As it should. As it should. (laughs) Proper. So. Kindergarten was like the time of my life. It was fantastic. Uh, they, great teacher. I went to Jennings County Schools, 
And then I got to first grade, and first grade got a lot more where everybody had to be on par. So I remember the teacher gave us assignments, and uh, I was done with mine pretty much instantly, and I wanted to go hang out with people and talk. Mm-hmm. In my young innocence, I was still very social. Uh, and I remember she put a refrigerator box over me, and I went home and told my mom about this because it really messed with me. Like yeah. It was like I did not imagine that being good at stuff would get me punished. So she didn't believe me, I don't think, but I do remember she came in there and just by chance they had that box over me and she threw it off of me and took me out and put me in Catholic school. Uh, Catholic school was substantially further ahead of the public school in this area. And they were kind of worried if I'd fit in and I absolutely did. I I fit in there. I think almost everyone that I went to school with back then is successful now. All of them, which is... Yeah. An amazing track record. I actually recommended that school to uh, some of my uh, friends' kids. But that was the that was the first kind of run-in that I'm like, hey, there's something different here. And that really started, I think, a little bit of my fear of being uh, better at things. Yeah. It, it, it was a little strange. I, there was some stuff at the Catholic school that was interesting. Uh, I don't think I exactly fit in because we were Baptist. We were not church members. We had to pay extra tuition and stuff. But ultimately, I went to... Uh, Columbus private school went through private school all the way through and then was dumped in uh, seventh grade back at the Jennings County School what a perfect time yeah. to dump this really smart guy off in there and that yeah. was really when uh, everything took off because I literally went from uh, a student to solid F's because I just it's an arrogance thing when you're that young and going through, you know, puberty at that age. I was just like, this is stupid. Yeah. And I remember one teacher, Mr. Bowman, I had a solid 100 plus percent A in his class because I'm guessing he's probably highly intelligent and he actually talked to me. Yeah. So that's uh, that's that was kind of my early experience with that. Uh, I definitely squandered my intelligence later in life. Yeah. I, I didn't buy books in college. Yeah. Still graduated. Yeah. Uh, now looking back, I, I always tell my kids that I work with, I'm like, you'll never regret working too hard for something. Yeah. Like put the effort in. Yeah. Now. You'll it's only regret it. the things you didn't try yeah. or put the effort in. And that's a that's part of the reason why this podcast exists. I, I talked to you, Justin. And I said I don't I don't wait now. Yeah. I'm done waiting. Yeah. And I'm kind of done playing other people's games. Like, I just want to, I want to, if I think something's worthwhile and important, uh, I'm I, invest in it. I invest in it. That's the way to put it. That's when I, I'm, that's, you know, we buy you shirts. I invest yeah. in my friend's health. Yeah. That's, uh, we're going to have the big episode about uh, health advice and all of that coming soon. Yeah. Been working on that hard. So, uh, Justin, I'm certain you have a similar story. I've never heard it before, but yeah. I can imagine. Um, one of the earliest, uh, moments I really realized that I was somewhat different. I got in trouble in the third grade for, uh, I I always hated reading um, in first and second grade. I hated it. It bored me to death. Um, and then I discovered Galen Poe. And uh, it was the first thing that was like watching a movie inside my head. And I was hooked. I was automatically hooked. I'd read his stories on end. And uh, I absolutely. Do you remember what your first one was? Yeah, the Black Cat, and nice. uh, yeah, I read yes. the Black Cat and the Pit and the Pendulum the mm-hmm. same day. Yep. And uh, I got in trouble by the teacher. Uh, she didn't believe that Edgar Allan Poe was proper reading material for a third grader, so she sent me to this counselor, uh, school counselor, very young guy. I think he's probably twenty three or twenty four. Cool as fuck. He uh, he said, "I'm going to ask you one question. Regardless of how you answer, I'm going to have to see you for at least six weeks." 
but this will determine what we talk about for the next six weeks. Do you know the difference between fact and fiction, or reality and fiction? I said, of course. Uh, He said, I said, of course. He said, then there's nothing wrong with you. You're intelligent, and they're intimidated by your intelligence. Don't don't let them hold you down. Read whatever you want. Just do it on your own time. And he said, "Um, you're going to be judged for being different. He was like, but there's nothing wrong with you. And he gave me some great advice. advice. He actually led me to uh, several of my other favorites. Uh, He's the reason why I found... uh, uh, the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Yeah, Lewis, uh, Franz Kafka. Um, oh, I was yeah. wildly obsessed with Franz Kafka, and that really, uh, that, yeah, Metamorphosis, uh, The Judgment, um, all kinds of stories from him, uh, really molded my taste in literature. I mean, I started delving deep. I found Hiroki Murakami by the time I was uh, a freshman in high school, and uh, so there's a. It really, it really set some things in motion for me. Um, I mean, I remember 15 years old, I had, by that point I went to the library and uh, took out on the same day uh, Ken Kesey's One Foot of the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, 1984 by George Orwell, uh, Orwell and uh, The Great Shark Hunt by Hunter S. Thompson. And uh, That's a good lineup. That, uh, that summer was very formative. Yes, I <laughs> and I, I go back and I think, uh, yeah, had I not met that counselor, um, I would have I never been led down that path. And it's... It's been great for me. It's really affected my writing and uh, what I read to this day. So, mm-hmm. uh, Caitlin, I know you, Catalina. <laughs> I know you've been in the uh, hail Catalina. Gifted... <laughs> hail Catalina. I know you've been in the gifted class. Everybody has a drink every time I say it. Oh, oh no, hold on. I'm trying to keep the dogs calm. Mm-hmm. They are also attempting to hail Catalina. (laughs) I do not blame them. She's very (laughs) hailable. So how was that experience for you? Um, So I was a voracious reader from a very, very, very young age. Mm -hmm. Um, I was still like the outdoorsy kid and whatnot, but I was the one that was like, like my brother and I talked about, we lived out in the country, like way out in the country. Like nobody visited us way out in the country. And there was um, a section of woods. All of our family, country, property, farms all connect. So it was the ideation that mom would uh, go to Goodwill, get IU hoodies that were bright red, and you could see us anywhere in the woods. Yeah, that was a great idea. And there was a belt to let you know when to come home. Yeah. So we would go and we would play in the woods. And I remember, you know, reading books like, you know, the Robin Hood series and whatnot. So we would go to Sherwood Forest in the woods. Yeah. And, you know, we'd build things and we'd build these little dams and look at the creeks. Yeah. And um, I remember the first book that I remember that scared me to death yeah. was The Hounds of Baskerville. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I read that one got me too. Way before I should have. <laughs> yeah, me too. Way before <laughs> me I should too. have. And that, you know, work of fiction mixed with the realism of living in the woods which especially in that area was over by the Wabash River where they like um, released the panthers and whatnot oh yeah and we had teachers that had seen them because they had dogs and the dogs like treat them and whatnot so that sense of realism with my mom going you know you know there are creatures in the woods yeah thanks mom don't say animals because animals it's way too nice there are creatures in the woods you just need to understand that the woods is their home yeah. And if you are respectful when you go into their home, they will be respectful to you. Yeah. So then that coupled with the Hounds of Baskerville 
hugest insane fear of wolves, <coughs> well, obviously, because yeah. that's the most logical <laughs> yeah. thing. So there was definitely a point in my life where uh, one of my uncle's beagles went off so bad that my brother and I were absolutely convinced it was a wolf, oh. ran through the woods, ran across the field, <laughs> ran up to the house. We got our butts beat because yeah. the field had been planted in the number oh, one yeah. rule. Yeah, it's you like don't run, run through, through it. the field. Yeah. And I was like, but you don't understand. And we were wearing red sweatshirts, so they would have been able to see us so easily. <laughs> so then as I go progress to like high school, then, you know, in Night Shyamalan's The Village comes out. And yeah. I was like, I was living this as a child. And I know the bad color being in the woods. Oh, and I know, I know that's a that's a movie that gets a lot of hate. I don't know why. I love it. I love it. And I'm like, I if it. you grew up in a rural setting, yeah. it is not that far off base uh-uh. to think here's a society that lives in the woods yeah. and creatures. I, I actually, I felt that. I grew up in the woods as well. But uh, my only issue with that, movie for some reason 20 minutes in I was like they're in modern times and uh, everyone was like what and I was like uh modern times and they're like no yes (laughs) yes so I have a huge issue with that as well it was to the point where there are certain people that refuse to watch movies with me yeah I try not to sit quietly yeah because I'm like I know what's gonna happen next Mm -hmm. I know what's gonna happen next because I'm such a reader and I I think that's common amongst readers and writers um yeah because we're always thinking in that modality that uh, intelligence you yeah. can't shut it off yeah. while you're watching you don't get that you can choose you when you use it write the movie basically yeah well that's yeah. one thing both of you do that i really don't i mean for no reason i've wrote songs that's it i've never sat down and wrote a story but both of you have told me about yours yeah. so very yeah. interesting written sorry that didn't really answer your gifted well no what it but actually it did because well. it, very interestingly you actually grew up in a form of isolation yeah. Oh, incredibly so. your so. intelligence developed in that isolation. As I didn't come from it. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I'm, I'm an August birthday, so, like, we <clears throat> never had, our birthday parties were with family. My yeah. brother and I are the youngest by, like, six years minimum from the rest of our family. Oh, yeah. So we never had that, you know, you're playing with your cousins, big yeah. family birthday party. We never had that. Yeah. We never had friends that were over at our house because yeah. it was always during the summertime and the town kids never came over. Yeah. So all we had, which one of the things, like, I'm so appreciative that my parents gave me. So um, I played softball at a young age yeah. and swimming, actually. And my parents, we were right on the divider line between North and South Vermilion. So okay. North Vermilion was where I went to school and whatnot. Yeah. And it was very much so, you know, every other American small town, you have to have the right last name, you've got to be a town mm-hmm. kid, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So my parents were like, hey, here's an idea. How about we go to a different school district for like summer ball? Yeah. So every single summer, I had to be the one that would seek out these friendships and yeah. make these connections. Right. You got exposure to new I, kids. Exactly. Yeah. I was running onto a ball diamond. <laughs> Where everybody already knew everybody. Everybody was yeah. already friends. You're with the everybody. new kid. Yeah. Exactly. And they don't care that, that you're character. the new kid. Yeah. It, it builds so much character. And I'm so grateful for that because I think it has made me the outgoing, connective person that I am yeah. today. Like, I don't know a stranger. Yeah. I want everybody to feel included. And that has helped so much with that because 
my brother did not have that, did not play sports at yeah. all. Yeah. And you can see, like, you the dichotomy between yeah. the... It's to the point where he won't talk to people on the phone. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, how y'all doing? Come What's up? Yeah. And he's just like, would you get off the phone so we can have dinner? And I'm like, I'm sorry. So I kind of had another isolating factor. I have a birth defect called spina bifida. I'm mm-hmm. very lucky to walk. Uh, mm-hmm. I think... Defects in one in 1,000... Yeah. Um, and it's so funny. I was the third child to be diagnosed in utero in the United States. Oh, wow. Uh, now they can repair it in most cases yes. in utero. Uh, it's almost becoming a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but they weren't real, they couldn't tell the severity because the third to be diagnosed in utero, right. they had no idea Absolutely. how bad it was going to be. And about 87% of the kids born the same year as me uh, with spina bifida are in wheelchairs. So I was very fortunate, but it did cause some issues. I've had several surgeries on one foot, and um, and my mom was always terrified that I would be made fun of for that. Absolutely. So she always instilled in me, and I've always th- been thankful for this, that to truly not give a damn what other people thought, mm-hmm. that whatever they thought was their problem and their business, it didn't affect who I was. Absolutely. And uh, I'm thankful for that because that was another, it could have been a very big isolating mm-hmm. factor. Absolutely. Because um, I was different. Um, it, it wasn't a difference you could just look at me and tell. But, I mean, when you show up and you've had three surgeries in two years, <laughs> right. s- and it's showing up to school and cast, and mm-hmm. I limp and stuff. So, well, um, kids are cruel. They are. They, they, could, they have a knack. You could have an eyebrow that's just slightly mm-hmm. off, and they will pick that yeah. out and mm-hmm. just brutalize yeah. you over it. It's crazy. Like the rate of teen suicide and whatnot yeah. is insane. Well, I think that. most of that, what I've been reading lately is it has a lot to do with social media because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it's... Social media is representative. It's not reality. It's representative right, of right. reality. So they're not seeing the bad things in their their social circles' lives. Mm-hmm. They're only seeing the good things. So they're comparing themselves to this false narrative. They're comparing themselves to this false standard. Mm-hmm. They're saying, oh, I wish I could go on trips like this person. Right. Or mm-hmm. I could date this guy. And it's also and, edited and yeah, filtered. Yeah, so they're not seeing the, the real version. Yeah, yeah. It's, re- it's the representative. It's not really their life. And, uh, and that I think that's why we see such a huge increase in lack of self-esteem and depression, anxiety, uh, teen suicide, because that is such a tumultuous time in everyone's life anyway. Yeah. You're trying to yeah. figure things you're out, so and your body is you just pumped full of hormones, yeah, and you're you sent out into the world. Yep. So yeah. when we were growing up, you know, it was, you left school, you were bored at school, you went home from school, and it was over. You, yeah. were, you had quiet hours until school yeah. the next day. Now, everyone, I mean, look at how connected people have been falsely connected in a way yeah. um, with the school shut down because of COVID and stuff. I mean, like, you still have virtual class, online class. Like, you don't get a shutoff. Like, yeah. you yeah. don't get any rest. Well, Justin Wren, actually, he's the guy that, again, I've talked about him before. He's yeah. a guy I really look up to. He, uh, the he fight for the cotton. Fight, fight for the forgotten, yeah. yeah. And his new thing is uh, there was a, a kid that actually had a video put up uh, where he was just getting beat up at school. Yeah. Uh, I think he's got he's got a lot of problems. And, Justin Wren saw that video and uh, he started up an entire initiative on bullying. And Justin Wren actually has a story about where he was bullied to the point that he tried to commit su- or he thought about at least yeah. committing suicide as a young teenager. Yeah. And it's really interesting. You see this guy that's a professional fighter, just a tough dude. Yeah. And he talks about how he became that tough dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and why. And yeah. he's, th- I mean, like I said, this is a saint of a human in my book. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. I, I look at the stuff he's I've done a, for people. He's a true and I'm like, warrior wow. for good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah absolutely. Is. I hope you think I'm pretty funny. Um, we'll link that, by the way, on the page. 
Oh, you're trying to be funny? Yeah. Oh, I, I, like to think I didn't catch that. <laughs> um, good sense of humor, but that actually came from the, I remember like sitting in my room one day and being like, okay, well, you're getting made fun of, so now you kind of got to give them something else to laugh at. So it was, yeah. I... Like, got to roll with it. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I think humor comes naturally, but I really worked at it. I mean, I worked at like, you know, mm -hmm. hey, you're going to get laughed at, might as well give them something funny to laugh at. Um, so that really got cultivated because of the bullying and being like, it's kind of trying to escape it. Yeah. So I think I that's that common amongst funny people is it started as a defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can turn anything into a sexual in you. And you know, <laughs> I'm trying to quit, but it's really hard. It's really, <laughs> really, really hard. I haven't so gotten hard. to ask you, Catalina. Um, do you know why Snoop Dogg carries an umbrella? Bo Grizzle. Oh, Grizzle. <laughs> <laughs> always tell my dad jokes in the puns, please. Like, I can't I've got, a, know I've got a surgical one, actually. Let's hear it. So uh, this, this guy comes to the ER, and he gets examined by the ER doctor, and it turns out that he has um, ten My Little Ponies up his rectum. Yeah. As one is one to do. Uh, the hospital listed him as stable. <laughs> oh my god Oh that's rough uh, he, he, Here's a great sex joke So the little boy walks up to his dad and goes Daddy what's sex And the dad panics Has this right. huge in monologue yes. with himself He's like oh my god he's so young right. But if he's old enough to ask He's old enough to get at least a reasonable answer right. So finally he's like okay I'm going to explain it to him in anatomical detail okay. So he starts explaining it to the kid And the kid just looks horrified And he's like why'd you ask And he's like when I asked mom when dinner would be ready, she said, I don't know, in a couple of sacks. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 man. Yes. So, yes, uh, indeed. Catalina, do you want to, I mean, we, we say I you're intelligent for a reason. touch base real quick on what uh, Ella said, though, about uh -huh. cultivating humor uh -huh. and whatnot. And I have had, um, I am an incredibly sarcastic person. Yes. But I have actually had many people that have come to me and will have, have talked about me. And I didn't realize that they were talking about me until they come to me later. And they're like, yeah, you know, someone was just like, oh, what's one thing, you know, with one person you wish that you could be like? And they're like, man, I wish I had Catalina's wit because mm -hmm. you are so fast on a response. And it is such a quick, sarcastic, barbed response yeah. that it doesn't, it shuts the person down. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, that comes from being, you know, the short haired chick that lived in the country mm -hmm. that was made fun of because all she wanted to do was read books. Like, yeah. apparently my parents did not watch Beauty and the Beast. If you're supposed to be bookish, you're supposed to have long hair and be very feminine. Yeah. Yeah. You aren't supposed to be, like, rough yeah. and tumble. So I learned from a young age, okay, you want to come... The <laughs> there we go. <laughs> like, you want to come at me, okay, cool, I'm going to flip this and yeah. embarrass you in front of all your yeah. friends. So this, this actually, the, the one time that I almost died from doing this podcast... Uh, was actually when I, the first episode we recorded right at the end yeah. when I told my dad that uh, Leos were bossy drivers. Yeah. <laughs> so I get this message from the Leo, Catalina. Yeah. Said, bossy driver, huh? <laughs> and I'm instantly like... Four hours away, this bossy driver's going to come and visit you, bud. Uh, I meant that with love. Yeah. <laughs> but I and really it just did. cut to the yeah. end of it. And I'm just yeah. like, are you... What? Yeah, there was no end to that. She, she took it personal. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm an August Leo, so we're like the Leos well, of the Leos. My, the, probably the closest person on this earth to me is my little sister, and uh, yeah. she is also 
a Leo, August birthday. So yeah. the similarities are stark. Like yeah. they're both very toothy, very yeah. opinionated. It's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I respond to that. It works fine for me. Yeah. So <laughs> I really did mean. It I've well. always said in all my relationships, I'm just looking for lifelong roast partners. Like you've yeah. got to. Hey, I've got to build. People that get so sensitive. Yeah, you've like, got to be able to throw it back at me because I'm gonna keep throwing it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like I'm not gonna stop just because you. I got in trouble so much in my last relationship because uh, the person I was with was just perpetually physically broken in one form or another yeah, yeah. and it's like oh you know my shoulder hurts and I was just like how's your face and he's like my face I mean it's fine I'm like okay because it's killing me yeah. <laughs> and it's just like I always say, oh my gosh what just came out of I your always mouth say, that sucks but it sounds like your whiner is working just fine yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly I'm like when you are five foot nothing I, I am like 130 pounds of sarcasm okay that is my it's only raw. defense mechanism yeah. against the great beasts of this world yes <laughs> yep so yeah and Ella had talked a little bit earlier uh Actually, Ella, do you have, you know, you've got your stories about growing up. Do you ever remember a time when you realized you were, like, a little different than everybody else? Oh, yeah. It really hit you hard? Oh, yeah. Um, it was, I just remember always never feeling, like, in kindergarten, I was, I was shy. I had, so similar to Caitlin and Justin, grew up in the country, um, but unlike Caitlin, I had the built-in best friends. I had Lucky. the, sorry, like Catalina, I had the built-in best friends of the cousins. So, um... It was, you know, it was, I had people that I interacted with and stuff, but when I hit school age, it was like, oh crap, like, you don't, not everybody's not just a built-in friend anymore. Like, I had to start building friendships, and come to find out, I really sucked at it. Um, I remember there were these two little girls that were running on the playground, and I was like, well, I'm just going to run with them, you know, and they'll just kind of start playing with me. And they, I remember, looked at me and said, will you quit following us around? That's yeah. weird. Yeah. And being like five years old and being crushed. And I remember sitting on the blue playground at the elementary school in North Vernon and like crying because I wanted to be home with my mom and dad and two sisters. Like, yeah. so it was just like, this sucks. Um, and then I remember, so the, the humor kind of started. Um, found a best friend, that was awesome. And um, then I had two best friends in middle school and high school, so that was great. But I remember being in advanced college placement English. And the whole thing was you paid like $300 for this class, but you got three credits when you graduated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you started off into college with three credits. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Did it. Made sense. Why not? Um, yeah, yeah. Kind of some squandered yeah, intelligence. Yeah, yeah I should have really honestly been in ACP bio, ACP camp. Didn't. Coasted. But I took ACP English because my sister did and I already had the book. Right. Um, Very poverty. So um, I remember we read uh, Animal Farm. And... I read the first chapter and was like, all right, um, that's all we had to read. I finished it. I was actually getting answers on the test wrong because I had finished the book and was forgetting yes. or I was answering like too yeah. far ahead. Um, and I remember kids coming and being like, I didn't read that. That's so stupid. And being like, guys, we're at advanced college placement English and you can't read a book? Mm -hmm. I was yeah. like, really? And like that's they crazy. were just so like disgusted that she assigned this book and I'm like, what did you think we would be doing yeah. in ACP English, like right. for college credit? And I ended up reading um, 1984. Also, again, breezed through it was like having to go back and reread the chapter <laughs> we were having the test on, and just being in that moment of you know being like, I'm not. I didn't think I was that intelligent. I was like, or different ish, because I thought you know the humor kind of helped normalize me. And I'm like, no man, like what's wrong with these people? Like, and I was like, maybe it's me. I don't know, you know. Well, and so much of that comes down to hard work as well. So 
we had we <laughs> we only had two college placement classes at my high school. One was math and one was um, English. We actually did not have a lot of advanced anything classes. Mm -hmm. So like when I went to college to be a nurse, uh, one of the first classes you have to take is like anatomy and physiology. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I literally walked into the class and the teacher went, well, you guys have all taken anatomy, so we're just going to skip this. Yeah. And I have never been so terrified yeah. in my entire uh, life. Well, I didn't I have just like, in high My education was so lacking, and I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, you don't know. Because you weren't right. supposed you have to nothing go to, to a private again. school. Right. You yeah. weren't supposed yeah. to go. I had a guidance counselor who was literally like, I don't know why you want to be a nurse. You're not going to make it. And I was just like... Was this in high school? This was in high school. That's and insane. I was just like, see you later. So my yeah. college placement English class was um, Mr. Henderson. Shout out to Mr. Henderson. He's amazing. He was the, you know, this is symbolism, this is foreshadowing. Yeah. Just incredibly intelligent guy. Um, he actually gave us, junior year into senior year, gave us a summer reading packet. And it was all these books that you were supposed to read, and you were supposed to write essays. And I was working two jobs. I was working at a bank, and I was working at a pizza place, because I'm like, hey, I'm going to have to pay for my own college. Like, yeah. let's hustle. Start now. Yeah. Exactly. So I would work at the bank, and um, I was working with, you know, adults. And this was their job. This was their career. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, like, reading two books at once, typing up these essays, yeah. and they're, like, so proud. Yeah. And I'm like, this is just what you do. This is what yeah. you have to do. Yeah. So I That's walked you in. Get exactly. Like, if you, if you want the good marks, if you want to go to a good college, this is what you have to do. Yeah. So I walked into um, AP English, <laughs> like a little poindexter, with my manila folder. Yeah. And... Everybody else who were, you know, all the cool kids, all the right last names and whatnot, they like looked at me and they're like, what, what's that? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, the summer reading packet. And they were like, we're supposed to do that over the summer? <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. summer reading packet. I'm like, yeah. this is AP. It's like, in the title. Yeah. Like, it, was, it had to have been well over like 30 or 50 books. Really? Oh, my. So That's a it lot. Was, it was everything that Mr. Henderson knew that we could not cover in class. So it's like, I want you to read these books. I want you to write me an essay regarding this yeah. to show that you read the books and mm -hmm. you understand the material. Mm -hmm. And that was the best prep work for college in my yeah. life. Mm -hmm. But to see the fear, there was one, no, thank you. There was one guy that was a uh, just a total jock, and I just saw all the color drain from his face. Yeah. And I was like, why am I so different? And I, it's exactly that emotional isolation. I'm like, well, I didn't really have friends, so I had my books. Yeah. And I'm like, this is yet another thing, looking at my class, thinking I'm the least intelligent person here, but I'm the hardest worker. Yeah. So that You're must what make, makes me isolated. No, yeah. it's also your intelligence yeah. along with your work ethic. Yeah. It's funny because uh, I do that more now, reading a book. I write small uh they're not super in depth or anything, <laughs> but I write small book reports on every book yes. that I love because it helps my writing so much exactly. and it helps you retain the information. If I really love a book and it really impacts me, I'll take notes of uh, uh, perfect sentences or those yes. sentences or paragraphs that make you pause. Yes. That way you have to like digest it for a Absolutely. second. So I'll make a note of that and make a note of where it's at in the book mm -hmm. so I can go back and look mm -hmm. at it. Mm -hmm. uh, I also look at, like I do a breakdown of... Uh, 
the storyline and mm-hmm. favorite characters and everything. And I just find that it helps my writing. Um, but I was doing that, and uh, I had a, I was engaged about six, seven years ago. And this girl literally told me, she was like, you only read in front of me and use weird words when talking to me to make me feel dumb. Mm-hmm. And oh, I was man. like, uh, really? <laughs> and uh, I said, that's kind of absurd. The word absurd, she Did didn't she know what it meant. She <laughs> didn't oh, know what no. it meant. Oh, uh, no. Which so caused one of the biggest ar- arguments we've ever had, which I found incredibly ironic that we're having this absurd conversation. <laughs> right. The word absurd. It's like an Alice in <laughs> yeah. Wonderland yeah. kind of I was situation. like, we are going down the rabbit hole right uh, now. This is too I, meta I, for I me. Been, <laughs> I have been misjudged so many times yeah, on age where people have like looked at me, guessed that my age was way less than it was, yeah. and because of the words coming out of my mouth, they're like, something here just doesn't belong. Yeah, I was out to it doesn't dinner. add up. Exactly, I was out to dinner as a 23-year-old having conversation with uh, conversations with older 30-something-year-olds. Yeah. And just on par, discussing, you know, yeah. you know, literature and ethics and morals and all these different things. Mm-hmm. And as everybody's going around the table, they're talking about their careers. Mm-hmm. Now I'm 23, so I've just graduated <laughs> yeah. nursing school. I've just started yeah. in the thick of it. You got your foot in the And everybody's it. just like, oh, so where are you a manager at? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a nurse. And yeah. they're like, okay, yeah, like, what, what unit do you manage? Like, are you a supervisor? And I'm like... I'm a nurse, I'm, I'm a baby nurse, I'm learning things and trying to get better, and I'm like, I don't understand how these people think this way, because I thought everybody knew how young I was, yeah. mm-hmm. so then they go to do a toast to like the over 35 year old or something like that, yeah. and I don't lift up my glass, Yeah. and everybody's and like, what are you doing, so the guy was just like, lift up your glass, stop being weird, and I was like, I can't. That's not being truthful. Yeah. And so immediately it's like this just vulture head swivel and everybody's like, how old are you, my pretty? <laughs> and I'm like, oh. I'm a child. Exactly. Like we were at a nice I'm place. I'm a small child. And, oh, one of the I girls. I need an adult. Exactly. I need an adult here. One of the, one of I'm the in danger. There, he, ordered, he ordered wine. And I'm like, well, I know wine etiquette, not because I drink wine, but it's just one of those things in the world that you like, know. No, yeah. I was like, okay, you're supposed to let the guy do this song and dance of, ooh, taste the wine and open the wine and smell the wine and shake the wine. Like, do the whole spiel. And the other person that had ordered wine was like, I just set it on the table. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, oh, yeah, we figured you know what you were doing. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Why do you think I'm 23. I'm, doing? Exactly. I'm, like, I'm 23. I have three different MapQuest printouts to get to this restaurant because I was sure there was going to be a road closed yeah. somewhere. That's hilarious. And it's that whole, it's not really faux intelligence. Yeah. But it's a faux perception of intelligence. Well, I by think other people. Uh, intelligent people, and maybe you guys can vouch for this. Uh, I think we've always connected with older people because mm-hmm. we've always you do. had. At, when you are intelligent, you're kind of above your peers in mm-hmm. some ways, uh, more advanced than your peers, and you're not interested in the same things as your peers for exactly. the most part. Yeah. So you tend to connect with older people. I know I always have my entire life. I mean. I was a bad kid, but I was always hanging out with much, much older yeah. kids. Absolutely. I mean, it's that thirst for knowledge. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. they must know and what's going on. And you can keep up intellectually with the older yeah. group. Absolutely. And they can typically keep up with you. Mm-hmm. Not always. Not always. <laughs> Not always. And then that just makes it even more awkward for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think it says something that, you know, we went on vacation to Florida, and basically on a boat full of people, and here's, you know, me and Brian 
talking to the four, you know, people in their 70s behind us. I mean, and like, inviting us to dinner, like, it was like, no, this is awesome. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it was like, I'm not interested in, you know, mm-hmm. the people my age. Like, tell me about your life. Like, and travels. I'm, there's an odd thing that happens to me, and it has most of my life, but I see it more clearly now. And I'd like to know if it happens to you guys. So I teach a training class. I'm in HR, mm-hmm. and which means I just make mistakes and tell bad jokes all day. I was gonna say, do you teach a sexual harassment it, class? It's absolutely wonderful. But now don't touch them here. Don't do this. But I need a volunteer. Don't go in a circular motion. But go counterclockwise. No, but um, but no, um, it's so odd. These people are strangers to me. I've never met them. They're only in my class for eight hours, and uh, I have very regularly, multiple times a week, I have people tell me their entire life stories, mm-hmm. uh, just to open up and like. It's I'm the like, joke of you have one of those faces. Yeah, I'm like I I I don't know well you. I don't know you well enough to know what your uncle did. Like, like, it's crazy. Like, they just... Intense. It's like emotional vomit all yeah. over me. I'm yeah. like... Uh, and it's weird because I do appreciate people's stories and I do like listening mm-hmm. to people and I think... Um, I, I really appreciate authenticity. Yes. And I think that's what they're responding to mm-hmm. is that I'm real and uh, yes. I demand realness from them. Yes. And I think that's what they're responding to. But it can be so emotionally draining when people are just like, oh my God, let me tell you about this and this. And then they're like, well, yeah, and then they're, they're like, like, I've never told anyone this. And yeah. I'm like, oh, well, thanks well, for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You do need some trauma first aid in us. So, I was talking to, you know, when you go to your doctor's office and um, the nurse comes in, asks you kind of preliminary questions, gets your blood pressure, this and that, and then like they go out and the doctor comes in. Well, um, you guys might not know this, but as a woman, when the nurse comes in, one of the things she'll ask is, is anybody hurting you at home? Do you need to report anything? You know, like, are you unsafe at home in the community? Anything like that, you can tell me. So the woman, of course, the nurse asks me, and I say, no, everything's fine. And I said, um, she was like, oh, I'm glad. And I said, have you ever had anybody tell you I need help? And she was like, yes, I've had a woman tell me that. And I said, what do you do? You know, and she was like, well, I, I contact this and that. And I said, well, what do you do for you? I was like, because you just got told something really, you know, scary. Like, she was like, I was like, do you guys get any actual help or follow? She was like, no. And I was like, that is so irresponsible that you mandate that these people, you know, have to ask that, but then you offer them no training, no help, mm-hmm. no support when when they're going to be told some pretty horrific stuff. Physician, yeah. heal thyself. And then yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. by the way, you get no actual trauma-informed care, nothing like that. It's just what's the old that. joke that the psychiatrist or the people that need it the most? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. something like well, that. Well, and it kills exactly. me too. Like it, it's a form of intelligence. You, know, you have emotional intelligence, but. The, the art of speaking. So I have a degree in psychology. Um, the, the joke I always tell is I um, went to college to study drinking and somehow got a psych degree. Um, and, you know, I, I fully enjoyed my time in college uh, and did manage to somehow get a psych degree. But there, I know there are times, especially, like, in my marriage, my communication is not the best. I will pull out, like, the name calling or something. And it's like, no, nope, that's not effective communication, but I'm mad. Yeah. I'm a hothead. Yeah. Um, so... But I, I work with youth, and I did not understand how it seemed nobody, and I'm talking professionals. I'm not talking just people off the street. I work with professionals who could not talk to this youth. Yeah. This youth would, um, there was a cognitive delay, you know, there was some mental health disorders, but she would explode, and they would just instantly just not know how to work with her, I guess. And, of course, I'd be like, hey, 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 
like, because I get in there and be like, you know, I'm going to effing do this, and she'd get in my face, and I'm like, you're not mad at me. I'm like, hey, don't yell at me. I'm like, let's talk about this, because I want to help you. Mm-hmm. And I would always be like, hey, hey, hey. Like, that was my big thing, was I, I had to do three hey's. So I'm like, hey, hey, hey. I'm yeah. like, hey, talk to me. Like, go ahead and take a deep breath. Yeah. I'm like, take a deep breath and think about this. I was like, and tell me your side of the story, because I want to get to the bottom of this, and I want to help you. Yeah. And I mean, she would, I would watch her take that breath, and she'd still kind of scream, and she'd call people, and the best thing, oh, honey, don't cuss. And I'm like, guys, she's venting. Let her say, mm-hmm. you know, a cuss word. If she wants to call somebody a name, like, give her the floor, okay? Yeah. And then I'm like, we, we talk through it. Second time she met me, she threatened to punch me. Yeah. And I said, I can't stop you from punching me. At least let me take my glasses off. I can't afford a new pair. She laughed so hard, and she said that was, for her, that was the, the, yeah. the, you de-escalated. Switch flipped, yeah. It's yeah. the relatability and the patience yeah. to establish that relatability. Yeah. So yeah. many people just want to be heard and understood. And, and a lot of people, they will try to push you away. It sounds like she was trying to push really yeah. hard on you. And once you show them, you're not going anywhere. You're yeah. there to help. Yep. Right? Cutting um, and running. We call it cutting and running. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I always let my goddaughters, I take them hiking, and uh, I let them cuss. And it's adorable to watch a 9 and 11 year old cuss because they don't know how. They're right. always like, oh, shit, damn. Oh. <laughs> but, That's like supernatural. Yeah. Uh-huh. In the woods, <laughs> I think it's fine. As long as they know time and place yeah. and appropriateness, I'm trying Absolutely. to teach them how to do it. So this young lady, is I heard it. <laughs> Especially as a female. Like, yeah. I've heard other females swear, and like I've even had that knee-jerk reaction of, Oh, that's just unseemly. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know, I have a soul of a mermaid in the mouth of a sailor. Yeah. Yeah. So when my five foot nothing like brings out the F word in yeah. a very hard, very aggressive way, I'm yeah. like, do people see me like that? Or do they see yeah. it more as like, oh, wow, she must be really upset. Yeah. We need to like yeah. cautiously I, approach this I always person. say I have the vocabulary of a well-educated sailor. Yeah. <laughs> and I got yes. that from my mother. Yeah. Shout out to my mom. My mom can make a sailor blush. And I definitely got that from her. Um, but this young lady, um, she was in a group home situation, and she had actually um, gotten in a fight with a staff member, and she made up a cuss word because she was so upset, again, cognitive delay, uh, some mental health issues, and she was so frustrated, and like she like balled her fists up, and she was just like about to explode, and she was like, you shit dick! <laughs> oh, that's a good one. So whenever you say shit dick, it came from her. I always give her props. Like I even tell her, I'm like, kiddo, I'm like, you taught me your cuss word. I'm like, do you mind if I use that? And she was like, go ahead. And I've said that to some of my other youth, and they'll use it. And I was like, hey, yeah. it's catching on. Yeah. Shit dick, I love it. I got called a, a, uh, One of the servers called me a cock waffle the other day. <laughs> Oh, that sounds painful. Yeah, and we have waffle makers. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) threatening. I'm going to go. Yeah, she thought that that shit out. Oh, yeah, she's already got the pan sprayed on the waffle maker. Like, she's ready for that. One of the best things I learned about communication, which, of course, in nursing school, they give you, like, a therapeutic communication course, which we all made fun of horrendously. Yeah, of course. That's what you do. Why why wouldn't you? But my, I took, like, this, um, not acting class, but it was taught by an actor who, which it was in Indianapolis, so, like, he was one of the downtown actors and whatnot, and one of the most influential things he ever said to me, he's like, you know, there's there's a difference between acting and having a conversation, and Mm -hmm. someone's just like, oh, well, you mean, like, in a performance? He's like, no, 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 I mean in real life. Yeah. And he said, what you get a lot is you get the person talking, like themselves, so person A talking, and it's talking, talking, talking. 
and then person B responds, and person A listening to person B just goes, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Yeah. They aren't actually hearing it mm. to have a conversation. They're hearing it so they can put what they want to be said They're waiting for their turn to to speak. And after hearing that, I was like, wow. And that translates so much in medicine because your doctor just tells you the script of, hey, this is what you need to know. And the person still to this day is so intimidated by that professional that they don't give feedback. I've had more people tell me as the nurse if they've had something to eat or drink than anesthesiologists, than doctors, and we cancel surgery because of that. Yeah. So then that person feels guilty, so they don't want to say they had a Big Mac on the way in. Yeah. And I'm the one that goes, hey, we ask you this question because we don't want you to not, vomit into your yeah. lungs. Yeah, yeah. not because you're in trouble. <laughs> in ICU, we just need to know. Yeah. So then I walk back to my side of the fence, and I'm like, hey, we're going to have to cancel that surgery because he ate. No, he didn't. I just talked to him. And I was like, did you talk to him, or did you talk at, at him? him? Exactly. Yeah. They exactly. thought, I'm getting in trouble. Exactly. Um, there was an interesting thing we were taught in massage school. Um, I'm a licensed massage therapist. And one of the things in Massage 2, which is the last class that like really shows you whether you can do that job, it's actually pretty emotionally trying. But one of the things we learn, and six months we are taught, something called the paradigm shift and it's all about the fact that when you're touching another person or you're showing them compassion or any kind of therapy you're not just dealing with that person you're dealing with everything they bring to the table every second of their life every experience and uh, that really hits home because uh, when you're a massage therapist so your client um, is in the most vulnerable they can be they're naked and Mm -hmm. face down while you are standing uh, that is about as vulnerable as one can be in this oh, life. Yeah. And uh, right so it's uh, it, it can bring up a lot of stuff. I remember when I first started out, I'm like 21 years old, and I just started breaking out on my own. And I'd gotten this massage client that I'd massaged for probably six months. We're very comfortable uh, together. And uh, she trusted me, but I always had this thing where I'd, I'd walk in, I'd have them sit down, I'd do a little health intake, I'd mm-hmm. go over what medications they're on, right. stuff like that. And we're just talking about what she wanted to work on that day. And uh, I get up to, I always say I'm going to go wash my hands, I'll knock before I return, mm-hmm. uh, get on the table face down, uh, um, unrobe to your comfort level. Right. Well, I, I do my little spiel and I put my hand on her shoulder as I was walking out of the room, which I had done probably a hundred times. And I come back, and she is literally fully clothed in the fetal position on the table, bawling. And I'm like, are, are you okay? Right. And she's like, I was just taken back to a moment in time. Uh, apparently, her father would always touch her on the shoulder before he beat her with a belt. Mm-hmm. And she was literally in that moment. In that moment. And, and we didn't massage that day, but I sat there and talked to her for three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, she oh, got yeah. on my shoulder. And uh, we were much closer afterwards. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, it was just such a small act on my part, and it's something I had done before. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. she said it was something about the tone of my voice and the way my hand fell on her shoulder. She's like, I can't even explain it, but I was literally transported. Uh, that was that. actually going to be my question because I'm like, especially, so I um, had like my first actual massage a couple years ago, and um, I like dropped really really hard endorphin wise afterwards yeah because i never had a massage before so i had no idea what i was experiencing yeah it yeah. was wild yeah and it was literally just from the body level because the person that was doing the massage it actually wasn't like a super comfortable environment and it, really? was, it was their music it was them talking and i'm like yeah. i just want to like relax drift. yeah 
and I wasn't allowed that in that moment. So See, then after all the toxins that's not a were good broken massage. down. No, that's a, that's a failure. Yeah. Exactly. Professional opinion, Justin. That's but like bad. the first thing that I thought, because like, you know, there was so little communication, effective communication between me and this person. So mm-hmm. because I'd never had a massage before, I'm like, did you get naked? Did you get partly naked? M- massage is a lot like sex. It's much better when both parties communicate. Exactly. <laughs> you got to so, talk it out so about what you like well, and so what you she, don't like. She had wanted me to take my bra off, and I didn't realize that. When she so didn't then when she came in, yeah. exactly. So then when she came in, she's just like, oh, why is your bra still on? So then I felt bad. I felt ashamed. I yeah. felt like an idiot because yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. And it's like there's so many different ways to handle that situation differently than what she did. I, I actually had a funny moment. So um, in massage school, your first day, they weed out half the class, and they do that with one single statement. So I had always, I had always had an affinity for touch. I've always been very tactile, mm-hmm. and I've always been really compassionate. And I got a massage when I was like 16, and because of the spina bifida, it like changed oh, me. Yeah. Like, and I was like, this is a way I can impact people's healths and lives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. That's what got me interested. Well, I I get accepted to massage school in Louisville. And my first day, I'd never thought about getting massaged. Mm -hmm. I just thought about giving massage. Right. Well, we first first day, first class, they say, okay, everybody look to your left, uh, look to your right. Uh, You will be massaging everyone in this room. Everyone in this room will be massaging you. You will be naked in front of these people. If you're not okay with that, get up and leave. Half the class gets up and leave. And I stood up. (laughs) And this amazing teacher who is a Jedi, her name's Rhonda. Shout out to Rhonda if you're listening. Uh, She's a beautiful woman. She's from the Bahamas, and she is a Jedi. Uh, But she put her hand on my shoulder and just sent me back down. She's like, you're staying. uh, She she chose you. Yeah, yeah, she's like, no, you're staying. And uh, she's like, I promise there will be a time when you're like, is it naked time yet? (laughs) Within a month, I was like, I'm already naked, guys. Like, (laughs) this orgy's getting off to a slow start. (laughs) I drove naked. Exactly. Oh my gosh, it's so true. And it's it's that comfort level that you have with your body, but also whatever is associated with your body. Uh, She did something really amazing. Um, The last, uh, in Massage 2, very last class uh, that we had ever had together, it was a free day. We were just going to partner up and massage all day. But she said, I'm going to leave. I've got some things to take care of. I'm going to leave for hours. I want you to just, as a group, right now, as soon as I leave, wait till I'm out of the parking lot, to choose an intention for which the class is massaging it. Uh, choose an intention. And uh, I want to do a little experiment. So we, we all chose love, an intention of love. So we all wrote it on a little piece of paper and folded it up and put it on her desk. Mm-hmm. She walks into the room without going anywhere near her desk uh, two hours later and just writes love in big bold oh, letters yes. on the dry erase. It, it was a really amazing experience. Yeah. I think everyone should go to massage school. Uh, you literally get to go in your pajamas and you get massaged every day. Yeah. I mean, it it's, seems like I missed out. Yeah, yeah, that's it's actually like amazing. a huge thing that I've always wanted to do. So um, my dad is built very short and stout, was a farmer, was a truck driver, all that kind of nonsense. Mm -hmm. Very, very short, wiry muscle guy. So his um, sister is actually a chiropractor, and she does a great job, and her kids are awesome. Hey, Aunt Kay, I love you. Mm -hmm. So she would adjust him, and um, then we would go home, and I would actually, like, work on his back and, like, massage and all these different things. And to me, doing that from, like, a super, super, super young age, I just, like, this is something that I can do that, you know, contributes to my dad, which contributes to Mm -hmm. the um, work 
advocacy that he has yeah, which to the family, to a better yeah. quality of life and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. So I am always that person, and there's actually like a huge joke. Like every unit I've ever been on, yeah. they're like, "How do you know which is the best computer to do your charting on? Because you chart for hours in yeah. medicine." Yeah. And they're like, how? And they're like, well, it's whichever one Catalina is standing next to because I can't sit still. And I feel like that tension off of people because when you're charting, like your shoulders are up to your ears. So I just like come up behind them and we're like talking about the case. And I don't even realize that I'm like working on their back and working on their neck. And like, it's mere moments for me. And then I let them know. And every single time it's like this. I think Thank uh, you. I think it's something that does come naturally. I've always been naturally inclined towards it, and uh, but uh, I don't believe that everyone's cut out for it. Um, mm-hmm. I've had a lot of bad massages. I've sent, I've had some bad chiropractic work, but uh, mm-hmm. for the people that are calling, to, uh, it's much like nursing. You have to be called for it. Go to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it's a calling. Go to it. It, like, it's a calling. What, it's not a career. What kills me is in social work, I'm a social worker, the amount of people that I'm like, I don't understand why you're doing this. This isn't a paycheck job. When I have, when I, when I hear them talk to youth and I'm like, why are you speaking? To, like, they're talking at them. They're like, yeah. well, this is what you need to do. Like, you know, yeah. we were all grown up. You have to go to college. Okay. No, that's, that's changed. Like, yeah. but having a youth look at me or basically like I had a youth in a situation in a, in a placement and, um, was kind of like, hey man, like just talk to me. Like, are you happy here? <coughs> no. And I'm like, well, what's going on? Because what started it all? Hey man, how's wrestling going this year? I'm not wrestling. Bro, what's your senior year? Why aren't you wrestling? Like, that really mm-hmm. sucks. Nobody will take me to practice. Well, how'd you get to practice last year? My cousin. Okay. Cousin off to college. Uh, You're in a paid placement. Like, no one, no, we live too far out. They expect me to give them gas money. Like, what? you are in a paid placement. Like, yeah, the state pays you a stipend. That's insane. And I'm mm-hmm. like, and now this youth lived pretty far out. Okay, I get it. It's, it's a hassle. But I said, Bubby, this is where you talk to me. I was like, I would have set my alarm for 5 a.m. and taken you to class. I was like, wrestling practice. I was like, I'd have complained the whole time. I was yeah, like, right. we'd have done it. I was like, we'd have <laughs> made it work. We would have got it and, done. And um, he just looked at me and he was like, really? And like, and I was like, so tell me more. I'm like, you know, are you happy at home? Like, and I'm just talking to him. I'm literally just a normal home visit. Tell me and about he kind of starts stuff. talking to me more and more. And I said, you know, Bub, why didn't you tell somebody before now? And he was like, you're my 12th caseworker. He was like, after the first four, I just stopped because nobody ever listened. Yeah, no one I, cared. I mean, I drive home crying. You know, I'm crying. Yeah. Yeah. I had him out of that place. It didn't matter. It was a family placement. It didn't matter. I had him in a uh, kinship home, basically, after that. Like, someone that, that truly cared about him. That was just like an adult supportive role in his life, not actual family. Um, but to, to have somebody who is 18 look at me and basically say, you're my 12th case manager, and you're after the fourth one, I stopped talking because nobody would listen. Like, yeah. that no is literally your job. Yeah. Like, how can you suck at communicating this bad? Well, that, yeah. huh. that's a lack of compassion, it yeah. sounds like. Exactly. They're in, for, in it for the wrong reason. Well, I think, well, when, yeah, when we yeah. scale this out, that's exactly what I was heading for, and that's what I was going to say when you ask. Uh, I'm sitting here thinking, and almost every close bond I have with my friends at this point, and my adult friends, which are, you know, small circles at this point, yeah. uh, is a trauma bond. Yeah. And most of them have came to me and dumped stuff on me out of nowhere. Yeah. And, I mean, we go. it's very strange how I thought about that a while back. And I was like, well, those these lasted. But I also think it's because people saw something. It's probably that genuineness you're talking about that you display. And my sister has told me, she, she says she's envious of it because I'm the most emotionally intelligent person she's ever known. 
Yeah. I have no idea what that means when she says it. She has to explain it to me. Yeah, because it's just always... Yeah, yeah. so I think it, it's almost like there is something about, and I've been told this by other people, that I, I, have, I give a calming presence. It's almost like an aura. I've been have. told that multiple times yeah. to myself. It's a... It's an odd thing. And I'm not a, I'm not a kind of guy you'd think to go up to and just like, oh, you're calling me. No, yeah. right. I'm a little yeah. scary looking. I'm not going to lie. It's yeah. like the astrology energy stuff. Like, everybody wants to make fun of it until stuff starts being real. Oh, I tried like, so uh, hard not to believe it. Oh, yeah. We all been fighting this shit my entire life, biggest, and it keeps on slapping yeah. me. The biggest part Take to this. me of, like, yeah. how energy is real. Yeah. Everybody... It happens more for women, but everybody has had a moment in their life where they have gone to turn down a certain road or walk down a certain hallway and something has literally pulled you back by your shirt and said, don't go down so, there. Yeah, don't do it. Because uh, you sense there's something down yeah. there that is not good. Um, I actually did a, I'm, I was a weird kid and I'd get these ideas and I'd like pull all of my friends and ask them questions. Yes. One of the things I remember asking, I think it was probably my sophomore or junior year, was how many people had had a dream that turned out to come true and you had deja vu from mm-hmm. every person I asked every yeah. single yeah. one of them myself oh, yeah. included oh, yeah. had had a dream that happened in real right. life after the dream and uh, that shows that there's more to the world than what meets the eye I mean mm-hmm. that alone Absolutely. I think dreams so you posted a meme about that how mm-hmm. we're <laughs> tapping into something else something. I like to believe that it might be another dimension or something but I told you about my my death dreams where I'm yeah. literally living the last day of strangers lives for them that is, um, that is so great. it can like, you have multiple of these yeah I, I had Five. five. Uh, so these dreams, I would wake up, I would fall asleep and wake up in someone else's body, but it's not someone else's body, I am them. Right. I know everything about their life. Mm-hmm. I know every memory they have. I know everything they do, they think. Um, and I literally spend the day in their body, and then they die at the end. I had five of these dreams. And uh, I don't fear death. And one of my best friends, Clint, he, uh, he told me, I was telling him about it, he said, I really think it's because you don't fear death. He is like, you don't fear death, so you're being sent to, like, absorb the shock of death for these people. Oh, wow. You're yes. being sent to deal with death because they wouldn't be able to handle like it. Like an emotional uh, sin eater, basically. Yeah, exactly. Because there's so much stress and anxiety, and yeah. Ella and I have talked about this uh, with her grandmother. Yeah. Yeah, the body oh. physically gets so worked up during the death process that part of the um, hospice nurse's job is to help the body physically relax so that it is able to pass which you know then when you think about like massage when you think about Mm -hmm. energy like we're just balls of anxiety we are cucumbers with anxiety yeah (laughs) crunchy 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 water absolutely it's so true yeah yeah i text these guys all the time because i have super vivid dreams really yeah like running, jumping, climbing trees, yeah. wake up and I'm sore kind of situations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Vivid dreams where like I thought I was awake and then I woke up and yeah. it's like you know things can't possibly be real. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like dreams I definitely feel like so much of it is like you're working through issues, you're problem solving mm-hmm. while you're asleep. You're obviously, so yeah, yeah, obviously we know that's how we are able to retain <clears throat> information because they say, you know, read a book and then sleep. Yeah. And depending on what we ingest, you know, if you watch TV, which is very, very neurostimulating, but also yeah. physically stimulating, you're probably not going to actually get good sleep. No, no. Read a book yeah. before you go to sleep. You'll have.
have some wild dreams, but you'll get good quality I was going to say, it depends on the book. I read some fucked up so things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working my way through, like, a Dark Ages, like, historical book, and it's really good, but it's, like, so frustrating with, like, the feudal system yeah. and, like, mm. you know, who has the right last yeah. name. Yeah. So, like, my dreams have been all kinds of jacked yeah, up because I get so upset when I read the book, and then I process that through the dream, and then I wake up, and I was just like... <sighs> That's still not right. Uh, I just I started a, a really brilliant book. Uh, it's a fairly new book. I just started it. I'm only like five chapters in, but it's literally the perspective from the perspective of this very crotchety old man. He's mm-hmm. like just a curmudgeon. And the first scene is absolutely hilarious. It's him trying to purchase a computer, but he doesn't understand the difference between a computer and a tablet. And the very young clerk is oh, he's no. making this kid's life hell. Right. <laughs> and, and this kid's like looking at him like he wants to kill himself and kill him right. like murder suicide this shit absolutely. it's fucking hilarious it's called a man called Ove. i believe it's swedish um okay. I, and you can tell with some of the terminology it's very oh, yeah, european yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's hilarious but it's messing up my dreams i became Ove the other night oh, no. <laughs> i was just being oh, a crotchety no. old man and i woke up in a bad mood oh. <laughs> like, i want to go buy a computer damn it <laughs> Why are we yelling? (laughs) (laughs) Loud noises. When you talk about like um, the emotional vampires and whatnot, and I have I have a huge problem at work because like I am such a over the top positive person, and Mm -hmm. my last job, which was very very terrible, I was sarcastically positive because Mm -hmm. if you're at least thinking of something positive to say, even if you don't actually mean it, your body starts thinking that you mean it, and you improve your workplace that way. So I actually mind over really, matter. Exactly. So I really, really, really enjoy who I work with now and the people that I work with. Yeah, and whatnot. much better environment. Exactly. Like I walk into a room and everybody's like, "Catalina's here!" And yeah. like when I work day shift, people would fight over like which room I was going to be in, yeah. and it contributes to your self worth. Yeah. But what I've also found is you have to be really, really careful who you share that kind of energy. They with. will suck you dry. Exactly. And I have more. pretty good luck with um, some of my. Most of my doctors, I should say. I actually had one surgeon that we were waiting on him to show up. He's always late, which is fine. Like, you know what to expect. And I'm like, well, here's how I'm going to handle this situation. I'm going to have my OR suite completely top of the line ready. I'm going to go over to outpatient where my patient is. I'm going to do my pre-interview. I'm going to do my paperwork. I'm going to have the surgical consent out with a pen for him to sign. So we are going to be so streamlined. Then, as soon as he comes through the door, which they say this is a thing also with just... uh, romantic relationships. If you're mad every time you walk through the door of the house and the first person you see is your significant other, you end up hating your significant yeah. other. Yeah. So he walked to the door and was like, Dr. So-and-so! Yeah. And he literally stopped and was like, okay, you six nurses that are out here, you can learn something from Catalina because did you see what she just did? And I was like, oh no, now I have a target on my head. <laughs> <laughs> they took it in stride and yeah. they're like, she's never not bubbly and happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, if you smother people with positivity, they yeah. have it no choice but to be yeah. positive as well. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I've found this out in many aspects of my life that just approaching something with an open heart and an open mind uh, can completely change uh, how the outcome of the situation. Yes. Um, one of the things I've noticed in the massage room is a lot of times, especially if I'm very connected with a client, I've been seeing them for years and we're very comfortable together. I will take on their pain. It's almost like a direct yes. meter. Yes. It's very odd. They will be fine after the massage, but I'm like, yeah. oh, my back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly, exactly where theirs just hurt. Like, think, yeah, it's very and, and Especially with kids, um, acknowledging that kids can have a shitty day. Yeah. Like, kids can kids can be in a bad mood. Like So it's yeah. like, oh, you're throwing a tantrum. It's like, well, you know, I mean, and I'm thinking, like, past the age of two. You know, you're still learning to regulate your emotions and stuff. Like, But, you know, you're eight years old. It's like... Like, you know, all people are, you know, like, you can't say that. Because I'm like, hey, man, don't be a dick. Fuck. So, you know, I joke. I'm like, make it open me a dickhead. I'm sorry. I'm like, don't yeah. be a dick. They're tiny Hitlers. But they're yeah. they don't kill everybody. Kids are too assholes. But I will never Let me go on the record yeah. and say that. Yeah. They really are. <laughs> they, 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 they're all ego. They they don't have yeah. those limits built in yet. I'm they're they're, they're narcissists. I'm holding my themselves. niece one time, and she was ill. And, I mean, I think it was like a, um, like something where, like, she had a fever. You know, she was just under the weather. And she was just kind of mopey and crying. And I said, hey, sis, I'm like, you just freaking cry if you want to cry. I'm like, right. you feel like crap, like cry. And then an adult looked at me and was like, I just never thought of it that way. And I was like, I'm like, I'll be 35 next month. And like, there's times when I feel bad that I just want to cry. And I'm like, imagine being three. Yeah. And you feel like this pain. And your verbal communication is not to where you can tell somebody, I hurt here. And, or like, this is what I'm feeling. And, I'm and like, now you're being out. told That's not to yeah. let it out. Like, I mean, if I you stub like your kids. toe and you hold it inside, how terrible do yeah. you feel? Yeah. I just tell them, you know, I'm, yeah. like, I'm the first one to be like, it sounds like you're having a really crappy day and I'm really yeah. sorry. And like, you're allowed to be mad. Or like, you know, like something bad happens. Like, you're allowed to be sad. And like, just validating someone's emotions, being like, you're allowed to feel the way you feel, even I, if it's not what people I, think you should be feeling right now. I, I was watching my niece the other day and she started having a little tantrum. She was tired. We've been wrestling for like four hours. <laughs> I was tired. <laughs> right? You're like, you want to cry now. I want to cry She's starting to have a tantrum. And I was like, it's okay. You'll learn to do that in an ins- on the inside like an adult. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so like, and we'll just sleep. Yeah, <laughs> like, and it's like, where do you find that balance between, okay, don't be a Kyle and like yeah. throw your phone across the room punch or like punch a drum yeah. wheel, but yeah. also express it. Yeah, and I'm that's why we write. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so like, we I'm don't feel insane and have victims. Hold everything inside, and yeah, I remember me too. Like, being in my first apartment by myself, and um, I had a uh, three-pound block of ground beef that was frozen in the freezer. Yeah. I opened the freezer door, and it fell out, oh. so taller than me, onto the top of my foot. Oh, oh wow! Oh, wow. Like, and I had this moment. And, like, you know, first time really, really by myself, and, like, my knee-jerk reaction was to cry, and there was this really, really dark, evil part of me that was like, go ahead and cry. (laughs) You big baby. Nobody's here. So you're just going to cry for yourself? And I was like, I'll suck it up. And then I was like, no, it's okay to do that. It's my foot. Because it's my foot, and I'm upset, and it takes so much. 
much more energy and time and pain to hold it inside. Yeah, yeah rather way than more to energy just to be hold like, it in. Cry, oh my gosh, that hurt. Okay, let, I can go on yeah, with my day. You can move on rather with than your life. spending the rest of your day and you're building on the pain of the ground yeah. beef and then it you're building on your the day. pain of mm-hmm. stubbing your And toe, you and see you that happen. You see really pissed off people out in the world. You see the person yelling and screaming at the gas station clerk. Yes. That has nothing to do with the gas station mm-hmm. clerk. It has the fact that they woke up and stubbed their toe yeah. and didn't let that out. And then they had a flat tire or whatever. And didn't let Yeah, it just compounds. And that becomes the smallest little irritation completely Mm -hmm. sets you off because you're dealing with layers Mm -hmm. of bullshit as opposed to just that moment. When you effectively communicate, so I have been that Karen. I have been the Karen that has snapped at the worker. And so it was like a situation where I want to say like I didn't, I I had like a medical bill come in. It was one I, I thought was on an auto pay. Like, and then... It wasn't, so, like, I had to call and get it set up, and, like, I got pissy, and then I said, hey, I was like, I'm really sorry, because I snapped. Yeah. And I was like, I'm really sorry. I was like, I'm not upset with you. I was like, I'm upset that I didn't get this bill paid. I was like, and it was really unfair of me to, to say that to you. I was like, can we please start over? And, like, I could tell, like, because this is a person who's essentially a bill collector. They're used yeah. to getting, They're you know, used to used getting, getting all that. Right. But I was like, hey, that really wasn't fair. I'm really sorry. I was like, this is, I'm upset with myself. Can we please start over? That conversation went great because I was like, I admit, I was like, I was in the wrong. Like, I snapped. I shouldn't have snapped. I mean, first and foremost, I didn't pay the bill. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. You know, I forgot yeah. to pay the bill. So it was just, it was, yeah. And I will be the first to tell you, maybe not with Brian necessarily, because uh, <laughs> marriage is complicated. But yeah. I will be the first outside of Brian to be like, hey, like, I shouldn't have said that. Like, I'm really yeah. sorry. Let me go back. You know, let me, let me really restructure this. And... I mean, I'm at, I'll be 35 the next month, like I said, and I'm still working on effectively communicating. And I think I'm getting better. Um, but, I mean, we expect a lot from little, tiny humans. I think have... humans are constantly work in progress. Yes. And I think that's yes. one of the great things about us, or is our adaptability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you don't know something, you can always learn. You can always if learn it. And you should always be striving to be mm-hmm. better than you were yesterday. I think <gasps> that's my goal kind of with this podcast, is yeah. to just always continuing to grow and learn and be a better meat sack mm-hmm. like exactly. i really feel like that's all we are is meat sacks mm-hmm. like yeah. um like so. we need to get okay to just say i don't know yeah and not look it up like yeah. in medicine you know they say you know never say i don't know and all this different nonsense and i'll have surgeons that refuse to work with people because of how they approach an issue yeah and i will approach an issue where i'm like okay this isn't my specialty yeah. But I am excited to learn yeah. how you do this. I don't case. know this, but I'm willing I'll to learn. I'll do whatever right. I can. Yeah. You let me know if I'm doing it wrong. And the response that I get from that is like, oh, come here, young Padawan. Let me yeah. teach right. you. Yeah. Let me explain. People love like to share knowledge. Oh, yeah. I don't know people, how to do this. People love to share knowledge, oh, yeah. but it's about your approach. It's mm-hmm. when you're like, oh, I don't know. Share that. knowledge to someone yeah. who actually wants to Wants learn. to absorb yeah. it. Yeah. Well, are you bar soap or are you a sponge? Think about those, like, those mind like breaking times in your life, like when it's just like, like the head exploding time. Right. My my oldest niece uh, will be twenty three this year. Stop it. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, uh, and I remember world champion archer. Her being, I want to say probably six. Um, she loves space, and it was happenstance. We're at this like half price books or something of that nature. And I see this giant coffee table book on space. And I was just like, I am getting that for her. This is amazing. Right. Yes. And what started that whole conversation was she looked at me one time. I think we're like at an IHOP or something. And she says, uh, what about the people on the moon? And I said, what's that? Sis, you know, like, say that again? She was like, and she, of course, she looks at me like I have two heads. Like, uh, duh. Like, 
the people on the moon, like, what about that? And I'm like, oh, honey, nobody lives on the moon. And just a look on her face was like, you mean to tell me that I've learned about um, the moon? Right. And no one has ever told me that people don't live there? Yeah. Like, she just assumed that the moon was just like Earth. Yeah. And why wouldn't you? Because Earth is your frame of reference, you know? Yeah. And I explained, like, you know, the moon landing is, and of course, you know, I loved giving that knowledge, and she was just eating it up. And just like that, I was like, how many mind-blowing times, like, how many times in your life can your mind be blown? Yeah. And it's like, you know, it, it gets less and less as you get older because you just are exposed to more. And now with social media and internet, you know, you have a computer in your pocket at all times. Like, exactly. the truly mind-blowing experiences definitely are going away. Like, I feel so bad for kids growing up now that don't have VHS tapes because I felt so bad for those actors. Because I'm like, they just did all of this and now they've got to do it backwards. That was a beautiful like, thought. Do you, you want to watch this movie again? I was like, so <laughs> yeah. Don't, Don't do that to them. That's so rude. But that's like the perception. That's your that's awesome. reference. That's it's awesome. amazing. You don't know uh, it's not how real. How are we on time? We are an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. <laughs> not as bad as I thought. No, we're not We're not too far off in the weeds, man. Uh, you know, I think the interesting thing is all of this, we're talking about, you know, the loneliness of intelligence. We're talking about just intellect in and of itself and emotional intelligence. A lot of this stuff, even the dream stuff, is now playing out. In research, yeah. it is it is such an amazing time for research. One of the things this was one of the most shocking things to me too, about how bad we've got at sharing information, is they just had SpaceX launch a rocket, land two astronauts on the International Space Station, and land that rocket. Yeah, this was what? groundbreaking. Oh yeah, this oh, yeah. was about a year ago. This was absolutely groundbreaking. Yes. Now I remember. Watching the space shuttle launches and stuff in school, the whole school would get yeah. ready, yeah, and do this, and it was this big deal. And I'm like, when did we get this far away from this? When did space stop being cool? It, See, it never know. did. It never did. People are are awesome. begging for this, but where's the outlet? I had to watch a live stream of that because uh, it wasn't on any of the news channels. It was insane. I'm not gonna be able to find the details, but uh, something that blew my mind uh, this year. We finally made contact with someone inside of a dream. Uh, we literally communicated inside someone's dream. Yeah. That was lucid dream. That is not okay. That is okay. inception. That is that's inception. That is so that's, I actually. It's, it's the cell, which is one of my favorite. It looks yes, like. It, is. Uh, it looks like throwaway kids. If you want to look that up, yes. it's Chris Mazarek. Yes. Um, his dream study. Uh, he wow. It involved the legends of Zelda. So definitely look that up and. Um, Check that uh, research out. One Wait, of the biggest. We've got to go. Well, and Justin, we were talking earlier about. Uh, I, I was thinking a lot about uh, social media and just the Zoom generation we got forced into. And uh, there is a very important thing about face to face interactions you were explaining to me. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, the reticulated activating system is a small part of the brain that uh, we found is completely linked um, to serotonin, dopamine. Um, release in the brain so they believe it has something to do with we don't understand the mechanism so your brain is constantly mapping three feet around you at all right. times um 
it does it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every second of every day, even while you're sleeping. And we think being within someone else's field and then being within yours is a form of communication in itself because it activates a system in the brain called the reticulated activating system. And we've not found another way to activate this system shy of uh, soaking up electrodes. Um, The only way to activate it is face-to-face close conversation. FaceTime will not activate it. And what we see is it uh, ups all the happy chemicals in your brain. It actually promotes growth in the hippocampus, helps shrink the amygdala. Um, So that's your, uh, the hippocampus being your emotional center of the brain, Uh, the amygdala being your fear center. So it makes you more compassionate, more empathetic. It does. You're going to get that uh, biochemical readback. Yeah, if I really think it has some mechanism that we don't fully understand in that mapping of the brain, right. and I think uh, because that's what determines our proprioception, how we view our bodies in time right. and space, and uh, I think that intermingling with someone else's field is huge. I think there's huge amounts of information being shared in that moment, and we don't understand the mechanism oh, yet. Absolutely. Uh, I think there's definitely some, and there's certain people you meet that you instantly connect with yep. um, and it's more than just a intellectual a level it's m- it's something beyond it's mm-hmm. a communication level that we don't quite understand yeah exactly. where you just automatically feel comfortable with that mm-hmm. person you automatically feel like you know yeah you'll find that you uh, your body language is different with mm-hmm. them you tend to set towards them right. you are closer physically I think the closer. opposite is also true yes I mean, every, uh, there's been some times walking into a restaurant you will be able to point out the shady person in the restaurant, not because they're wearing a black hoodie, yeah. but because of something else with their body yeah. chemistry. Yeah. I uh, face. have a funny story about this. Uh, I used to be a, a gas station clerk um, 15 years ago. And uh, as a gas station clerk, uh, one year my uh, manager, she had to go on vacation. Me and my manager were very close. Well, this assistant store manager from another store had to fill in for a week. Uh, over at our store, he's only going to be there three or four days that week, just helping out. And the moment I met him, he was very friendly, very nice, but the moment I met him, I wanted to hurt him. And I'm not a violent person, but I instantly was like blind rage. I want to hurt this guy bad. And it got to the point, the second shift I worked with him, I was like, dude, if you talk to me during this week, I'm going to hurt you. I like threatened him. (laughs) Well, he called my boss and like told on me. And she calls me, she's like, Justin, what's going on? (laughs) Like, did you threaten this kid? And I'm like, well, I don't know what it is, Becky. There's something there. Like, I instantly hated him. Before Mm -hmm. he even spoke, I hated him. I wanted to hurt him. Uh, six years later, fast forward, she had moved up into the office and went into HR, and then she kind of took me with her. Well, um, we're working together in the office. She's like, do you remember this kid? And I had no idea what she was talking about. My memory shot, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had been six years. Right. And then she was like, check out this picture. Do you remember this guy? And it was him. And I was like, yeah. She's like, I think I figured out why you didn't like him. 135 counts of trying to reach uh, contact minors for sex, uh, oh, child, child pull, sharing child porn, yes. and it's something in me new. Like yeah. I could smell yes. it on him, and I'm gonna hurt him. Absolutely. Uh, here's what's crazy is that um, working in child welfare, um, you get a lot of trainings and stuff, and they have um, interviews with like convicted, you know, sexual predators, pedophiles, that oh, yeah, this shit's have put like groups of children in plane. And have them separated, you know, from the predators. We're not putting kids in danger. Um, But a two-way mirror. And these predators can tell you, like, I would perp on, you know, numbers 4, 8, and 12. Oh, they have some sort of sense. And then 4, 8, and 12 have a history of abuse. They can sense it. 
um, sex trafficking, very prevalent. Um, they've, they've talked to recruiters and people that get women and men into the sex trafficking um, and will say a simple indicator for them is if they pass by you at the mall, which this is a little dated because they're picking people at the mall, yeah. but um, we'll say out in public, if they would come and go, oh, hey, hey, like I really like your hat. And if the young lady or young man will maintain eye contact, you're like, oh, well, thank you. <coughs> they don't want them. But if they drop their eyes and go, oh, gee, thanks. Yeah. But they're going to be, you know. Pray. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. prey. Um, so it's the little things. It's crazy how much you can pick up on body language and stuff when you are a predator to see that prey. Um, but with the kids, they didn't interact with them. They, they were able to pick the kids that had been victimized, and they knew they could easily groom them to, to take advantage of them, and that is what's crazy. I would be curious to see the flip side of that study. To, to see if the kids could pick out the predators. coming from having been, you know, a victim in a certain sense, we actually just had this this weekend where we met, I met a whole bunch of people that I hadn't met before. Yeah, it was totally and random. Was we didn't just, know this was And I went happen. up to Brian, and I was like, this dude wearing this, don't look at him right now, I don't know what it is, I don't Something. like it. Yeah. Don't let well, him the interesting thing. Him. Don't let him come over here. And Brian's like, well, I don't know who he is, but I mean, like, okay, like, yeah. I validate you. I validate your feelings. And even then, it's exactly what you're saying. I'm like, I don't know what it is, but that's not a good dude. Yeah, like, can't, I don't want to be like Well, the, this is the strange thing. When I realized who she was talking about, I had went up to him and had this almost very tense interaction because I was actually telling people about the podcast. I was talking about it. You know, it, yeah. we, we had a lot of brand new people here kind of intrigued about what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, we were talking cigars. And he gave me, I, I call it this like fake alpha posturing thing. Yeah. He stared at me in this he weird way. And I'm, I'm, I'm really confident in myself, yeah. man. Like I carry myself well. I don't care about that. But yeah, I picked that up from him. Yeah. And then I tried to make eye contact with him three or four more times and I kept getting that vibe. And I was like, this dude's, I mean, he's probably a domestic abuser, if I had to guess. He could be the nicest guy in the world and have a little autism, but I I don't know. I definitely got the same vibe. Someone, uh, as someone who also deals with strangers every day, uh, it's so odd how many times I see that, the young male posturing the, I'm the alpha here. And I'm not a large man, but I've been told that my stares can make a grown man cry. Like, Mm -hmm. and... uh, it's so weird. They like snap in the line very quickly. And I don't consider myself an alpha. I don't care about that. And I think it's because I don't care about it. And I think that's the same with you. Yeah. That people will naturally kind of fall in line around someone like us because we don't care. Yeah. We don't My give a shit what the pecking order is. My favorite is a true alpha will not have to tell you that yeah. they're an alpha. They don't yeah. even if realize they are. Bro, that's that's true with anything. Like bro capital B. Yeah. You walk into the bar and you're like, well, I'm an alpha, and he's not coming on over here and messing with me. And I'm Ugh. like, you're going to be the you first said it. one in yeah. the corner crying, yeah. we, we hiding a, behind ugh. everybody yeah. else. We had a situation similar to that. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was one very much was like, well, if you have to go outside and make it known that you are in control and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no. Blah, I've blah, noticed blah. pretty much any quantifier. If anyone has to say, I'm this, chances are they're not They're not that. that. They're trying <laughs> to. They might want to be that. They, they might idolize to be that. really bad. so true now that you say that because we joke in medicine. We'll have all these people who are like, you know, well, my daughter's a nurse and you meet the daughter and she's like, I'm a nurse. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so not to be mean. Like I start from the bottom. I got my CNA and worked my way up. Yeah. But nine times out of ten. You're, um, you know, a medical assistant. You're a CNA. Yeah. You're something completely yeah, different. Yeah. You are not a nurse, or you're going to school to be right. a nurse. Yeah. 
And I'm like, you don't not have a nurse. to be like that. Like, have- <laughs> I run into the same thing with massage therapy. I'll meet someone and they'll be like, what do you do? Which is an, uh, we'll talk about why that's an odd question. That's not <laughs> but, but, uh, but I'm like, um, massage therapy is one of my jobs. And uh, they're like, oh, I do that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, where'd you train? Out of curiosity, not yeah, because I, I'm trying to call them out. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, I, like, studied under somebody. And I'm like, well, that doesn't count. Right. Like, <laughs> like did you yeah. take national certs? <laughs> like, right. I spent exactly. thousands of dollars yeah. exactly. taking national certs and, like, continuing yes. education. Like, yes. uh, I, I have, like, 1,250 hours of training. Mm-hmm. The requirement's 650. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so like I, I take someone's it. body, that's a study. Yeah, I take that's it. That's not a hobby. Yeah, and I take what I do seriously yeah. um i worked in medical massage i mean i've worked for a year on the oncology unit in new albany i mean mm-hmm. um so yeah, i want to take it seriously and i think others should too and it's one of those professions that people think they can just throw out there and it sounds cool and until you start yeah. fact checking so, and i'm yeah. like not to step on your toes yeah it's i'm not trying like, to call you out but yeah yeah you rub shoulders i'm a massage therapist right <laughs> get the terminology we have a friend right. that like they would constantly joke and they'd be like oh well, you're gonna make soldier of the year like that sword of the year but material right there you know and he would joke about it too. He actually won Soldier of the Year. He really he didn't realize at the time it was a big deal. Like he didn't realize they were joking about it. It was a real thing, and it's a big deal to win it. But he's very humble. He's never gonna come up and be like, "My name's you know, Joe Smith. I'm Soldier of the Year." Like yeah, yeah. the stolen valor. Yeah, crap. Oh, we yeah. work. You know, I work in child welfare, and there's people all the time. who's like, I don't see how you do your job. And I'm like, I swear it's not that hard. And like, yeah. I'm not saying that to be like. No, I'm like, I don't do it for the glory. You know, like, it's oh, something like, you would love. Yeah, it's like, oh, like, oh, you're such a great person. I'm like, no, I'm just like your average Joe. Like, I put my pants on one leg at a time. Don't, like, don't worry. Uh, I never thought you were an awesome person. Thank you. So. <laughs> you're queen of the dumpsters. So. Yeah, there we go. I mean, I dive in dumpsters. What can I say? Yeah. Make the best of it. We keep it trashy. Keep it trashy, baby. Oh, mm-hmm. I think that might be a new hashtag. Hashtag keep it trashy. Oh, yeah. okay. coming up with it on the fly. Yeah. I think we're probably about ready to wrap it up. Yeah. We? We're about ready to wrap it up. I'm uh, waiting right now. I'm going to try to place a bit on a nice mixer board so we can add some more mics to this. Hey, nice. Get a little more professional. Nice. So, yeah. Oh, we need to do uh, cigars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thankfully totally the person space. that gave the cigars gave three, so you We need to uh, give this person a shout-out. No, did mm-hmm. they drive a van? <laughs> <laughs> no. So, funny story. I don't know. We didn't check. We didn't check. We didn't funny story yeah. about a van. Um, so, this this is very helpful advice to any female in college, obviously. Yeah. You know, everybody has their, like, spring break story. Yeah. So, me and my friends, we drove down to Florida. Yeah. And I love to drive. Absolutely adore it. So, we were driving, and it's one of those GPS takes you kind of a weird way. I love scary movies. So, like, my initial thought is always wrong turn. Yeah. I'm like, who are we going with this? Let me make sure my shoes are tied. Okay, I got my water bottle. So, we go past this road. And my, my friend is also a nurse. And for some strange reason... We both, and I, I think I'm good tonight, um, we both just, like, head swivel down this teeny tiny dirt road. Yeah. For no reason at all. And we look down, no joke, there's this guy getting out of this panel van, windows are blacked out, he flips out this sign, and of course this takes, like, seconds. Yeah. And it was free flowers Shut and up. puppies. 
shut up. No. This really happened. This really happened. So we like head swivel and look at each other, and I'm like, I'm calling somebody because it's not Valentine's Day. And uh, this is... This is how somebody gets yeah. abducted. Yeah, right this is here. How this is exactly. Yeah, how we don't it want happens. your free candy fingers over here. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I know how this one ends, and yeah. it does not go well. And I mean, that yeah. just that Stay hypervigilance aware. just comes from being so small for my whole entire life. So, my parents being like, "You're so portable." Story here is, we met some new people. I was talking to the podcast. Yeah. Just talking shop with them. And uh, the guy was big into cigars. And I was like, oh, we're into bourbon, you know. We, we, yeah. we sip a bourbon at the start of our episodes. I try to get a new one all the time. And uh, he, he brings these cigars out. And he's like, yeah, I'll give you some for your show. Yeah. Like, Dude, that's amazing. Just met this guy. His name's Tyler Groob. Thank you, Tyler, very Thank much. You, Tyler. Thank these you. are these are good cigars. I looked them up. They're they're awesome. I can't partake because of the tobacco agreement with the state of Indiana, but I get to watch you guys partake. Got a safety. Give you the tricky lighter. But I'm intrigued to hear how they pair with the benchmark tonight. They pair well. Yeah. It's not a bad, uh, mm-hmm. not a bad smoke. Mm-mm. All right, throwaway kids. Uh, I very much thank you for listening to us, inviting us into your day. Yeah, let's and give uh, this uh, cigar gentleman a shout out. What was his name? Tyler Groob. Tyler. Tyler. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Keep on listening, guys. I'm saying we look forward to possibly having you on, Tyler. So uh, keep us uh, keep us in the yeah. know. So tell us all what you think. You know, hour and a half episodes. We're going to try for a little more content. We we talk for hours before we even record. So we're yeah. going to try to just clue you in a little bit more on yeah. what we talk about, where our minds go. Uh, we're constantly trying to get better at this. We're going to yeah. start bringing on guests. More yeah, guests, our first yeah. Guest. Uh, Catalina can guest. be a regular. Goddess Catalina. Uh, hail Catalina. Hail Catalina. <laughs> She's our Catalina. She's our goddess. You're our queen. She's our goddess. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much, and uh, keep diving in those dumpsters. Yep. Have a good evening. Later. Yeah.